for us this week. It's been a, a busy week and a long week, but I appreciate the help of God and uh, His help along the journey. appreciate His help in the services and uh, for traveling mercy and grace. And I was telling some of the folks this morning, we was talking, I, I calculated it right, I had nearly 40 hours on the road this week, uh, driving back and forth, and I'm not asking for pity or sympathy or begrudging that at all. I just appreciate the help of God and uh, strengthening us physically and then touching us spiritually as well and had some good services and uh, some sinners on the altar seeking the Lord and appreciate the Lord and His goodness. And uh, But I'm glad to be back here this morning and I miss you all on Wednesday night and my heart was uh, with you all and thought about you often and things many folks are going through and I know that uh, that's the way it ought to be in a family, in a church family. And I appreciate that. Thank the Lord for it. And uh, appreciate the goodness of God. Appreciate what's already been done in the service this morning. Appreciate the Sunday school there and the truths in it. Thank the Lord for it. I'm glad I belong to Him. And I'm glad I know I belong to Him. I'm glad there are many evidences uh, in the Christian life. You don't have to sit around and try to convince yourself. It seems like we have a group of people uh, within church today that want to try to uh, preach like or talk like that we have to go around as the people of God convincing ourselves that we're saved. Uh, we don't have to. It's not our job anyway. He does that work. And I'm glad for it. There's plenty of evidences in the Scripture about the fact that we're born again. The evidence that was mentioned this morning about the unction of God is an evidence. John said we know we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. That's an evidence. Uh, the writer said, Paul said, if you be without chastisement, we're of all, all the ch- not all the world. That, that all's not inclusive to the world, but it's inclusive to the people of God. He said he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth and chasteneth every son who he loveth. And that's an evident fact. It's not pleasurable at the moment. But when we can look back on it and realize that He does that, number one, because we belong to Him, and number two, because He loves us, then we can rejoice in that we have been partakers of the chastening hand of God. Because it's an evidence that we are born again. I'm glad for that. Thank the Lord for it. It's very important that we understand that and that we teach dot. And I know that in these days, it seems like the word doctrine has become an off-color word or a word that brings division, but true Bible doctrine is necessary. The, the whole, if you're going to do away with doctrine, somebody said, well, I don't want nobody to preach to me doctrine. Well, you might as well cut out about all the New Testament because it's full of doctrine. And it's important that we know doctrine, biblical doctrine. It's important that we raise our children. And I thought about what Brother Tim said this morning in the Sunday school hour. And I know a lot of times uh, folks may say, well, I don't understand why you don't. And number one, it's because the Lord's not led me to uh, break the children off and send them somewhere else. But they're getting more than you think listening to doctrine. And it's important that they know doctrine. I mean, I was thinking about this morning looking across the crowd while we were singing on any given service, depending on, you know, we have visitors that come and uh, things like that. There are anywhere from 10 to 15 children 
of all various ages in our congregation in a given Sunday or a given service. I mean, one-third of our congregation about is children. And I'm glad for it. Thank the Lord. We should rejoice in what the Lord has done and blessed us with. And it doesn't bother me one bit. I don't want no parents. And I understand that there's a difference between just letting your kids run wild. But the kids are kids. And they got to learn. And the only way they're going to learn is to bring them to the house of God. And it don't bother me for them to holler and... and uh, uh, it, it encourages me. I'd rather hear somebody said that they'd rather have kids in the pews making noise as a silent church any day. And that's right. And so bring them to the house of God. And uh, it's important that they learn. And just as was said this morning, the majority of our children, our young people are young ladies. And they're going to go out if time lasts and the Lord doesn't come back before then. And they're going to have to get married. And they're going to have to know what to look for in someone to marry. The Bible teaches they're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And, uh, and it's just as dangerous for them to be hooked up together with a believer of unlike faith, if you want to call them a believer, and someone who is deceived. I thought this morning, and I'll get to the Scripture in just a minute, but I feel like I need to say this. I told Brother Tim before we started singing, I said the Lord... It's worked in my heart, convinced me that just as separation and sanctification is a progressive work that God works in us to draw closer to Him, deception is also a progressive work. And it starts little by little. And if God doesn't open their eyes and they see that they're deceived and make the correction, then they'll go farther and farther into deception. And that is right. We're seeing it in our day. They started off mixing good and bad, a little error with a lot of truth, and it snowballed. And now we've got things in our day that could not be any further from the truth that people are flocking to because they've been deceived. And it's progressed. And if time lasts, it's going to get worse. That's what Paul said. Wicked men, evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so it's important, and I appreciate the Sunday school hour, and I appreciate the confirmation in my heart and encouragement in my heart being in the house of God this morning. I'm glad that you're here. 2 Kings chapter 2, if you have a copy of the Word of God this morning, 2 Kings chapter number 2, read some verses here, a very familiar record in the Word of God, but it's what's on my heart this morning. 2 Kings chapter number 2, appreciate the direction of the Lord and having mercy on me and uh, touching my heart with something for this morning. 2 Kings chapter 2, when you found your place, if you're able and willing to do so, we'll stand together. Of course, by standing, we're just showing reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. Familiar record, I know, we've all heard it read and preached on, no doubt, and uh, probably know it by heart. But let's read the verses this morning and see what the Lord would have to say to us together. 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 1, It came to pass, when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, 
And as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. The sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha, said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. He said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. He said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets went, stood to view afar off, and they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together, smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. It came to pass when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. He said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. It came to pass as they still went on and taught that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also that mantle of Elijah that fell from him, went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? When he had also smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. When the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him, and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I realize this morning as we said already that this is very familiar scripture. and A very familiar record in the word of God. We all know what's taking place here. Someone said that it's the record of the exit of one man of God and the entrance of another. That Elijah is going to be taken away and somehow or another we're not told how uh, that it is, how that it's brought about, how that... Elisha gets word or has knowledge or understanding, but Elisha knows it, and so he's going with Elijah. Now, there is an evident fact that not only does Elisha know it and Elijah know it, but the sons of the prophets also know that at some point today uh, that Elijah is going to be taken away. 
And so they speak to Elisha as they come and make their journey from Gilgal through Bethel and Jericho and finally unto Jordan. They make mention of this and Elisha says, I know it, hold ye your peace. And constantly as we read the record this morning, Elijah looks to Elisha and asks him to tarry here or gives him the opportunity to stay behind while he goes on further in the way that God wants him to go. And Elisha gives the same response every time. As the Lord God liveth, I'll not leave thee. And so they go on under the place of direction that God has given Elijah to go. Now it never is recorded that God gives Elisha the direction of the places to go, but he speaks to Elijah. And Elisha at this time is the minister of Elijah and he goes with him all the way. Of course know that they get to Jordan and then they go across and Elijah asks Elisha that question that we all know so well what shall I do for you before I'm taken Elijah Elisha asks for a double portion of Elijah's spirit and we know the stipulations and all of that but what I'm interested in this morning is every time that Elijah asks Elisha oh, to Terry that he says I'm going to go with you and the words are recorded so they went Verse number two, so they came. Verse number four, uh, they went on in verse number six. And that really, verse number six is where uh, my heart is. And I was praying and asking the Lord what he wanted me to do this morning. And and he brought the the words of a song to my heart. And that's what I feel like I need to preach on this morning. Out of verse number six where the Bible said, and they too went on. I want to preach this morning if God would be my helper and you'd uh, pray for me on our feet like traveling on. That's what's on my heart. I feel like traveling on. Now I want to say that in that song I began to think about it last night and then again this morning the words of that song of course the first verse starts off my heavenly home is bright and fair I feel like traveling on no pain nor death can enter there I feel like traveling on and so the emphasis of that song is that there's a better day awaiting us on the other side that is after we get out of here and it does motivate us us as the people of God are to travel on, to continue on in this life. Many times in the New Testament, especially in the letters of the Apostle Paul, he used the life to come or the, or the hope of heaven to encourage, to exhort the people to continue in the work that they are doing presently on the earth. So there is hope. There is an encouragement. There is an exhortation or an excitement or a thrill or a push in us or to travel on to continue on because of what awaits us on the other side. But I feel this morning the need to make the spiritual application to there is a need to travel on for what awaits us in this life. That there is more to the Christian experience than many of the people of God have because we fail to travel on. I, I thought about the writer said, and the verse that kept coming to my heart is the writer wrote, Let others seek a home below. Now, he's not talking about hell, he's talking about here on earth. Let their time be all wrapped up 
If that's their motivation, if that's their desire, if that's what they're going to do, let all their time be wrapped up in their home below, which flames devour and waves overflow. But he said, I feel like traveling on. I think they, those people that the writer's writing about, could very easily be compared to the sons of the prophets. They said, just stay here with us. Don't you know that your master is going to be taken away from your head today? Why are you going? What's the use? Why do you continue on? Why do you keep traveling? Why are you going farther? It's good enough here at Jericho. It's good enough here at Bethel. It's good enough here at Gilgal. But thank God there was a determination in Elisha to travel on. Sometimes I'm afraid in our lives we get caught up in a lot of other things that hinder us or keep us from traveling on. I began to thank the Lord began to deal with my heart and I just got three things on my heart and I want to stay within the context of this scripture. That's what the Lord has directed my heart about. I think I find some reasons why or what motivated Elisha to travel on. And it ought to be what motivates us as the people of God to travel on. Number one, I want to say he traveled on because of what was behind. His past experiences motivated him to travel on. What they started at Gilgal, that was the starting point in chapter number two. That's where they presently were and the Lord instructed Elijah to leave Gilgal and travel on toward Bethel. And so we could start there. And it's the same for every child of God. Gilgal is our starting point. Gilgal is a type of salvation. Gilgal is a type of the new birth. It was at Gilgal that Joshua led the children of Israel across the river Jordan. God parted the waters, allowed them to come across. And it was at Gilgal that God instructed Joshua to circumcise the children of Israel. And the Lord made this statement. This day have I rolled the reproach of Egypt away from you. And so it's a type of being born again. And that's the starting point for every child of God. That's not the finish line. That's not the end result. That's not when it's all over. If it was, the minute we got saved, God would go ahead and take us out of here. But salvation, our spiritual Gilgal, is just the start. And what happened to us at Gilgal, knowing that we're saved, knowing that we've been born again, that transaction that took a place on the inside of us, that we've been passed from death unto life, that we have been made a new creature in Christ, it ought to motivate us to go on with God. God produces a heaven-born desire inside of every believer at your Gilgal to want to go on with Him. Now there are going to be things along the journey that are going to try to hinder your progress of going on with God. There are going to be family members. There are going to be friends. There are going to be things in your life. There are going to be focus issues. 
There are going to be storms. There are going to be valleys. There are going to be troubles. There are going to be temptations. All kinds of things that are going to hinder you or try to hinder you from going on to where God wants you to go. But we've got to purpose. We need to ask God to help us or to put it in us to feel like traveling on. I believe that's right. I thought about, and I'm just going to be real honest with you, and you know that's just the only way I know to be. I thought about, I come in last night, and I was tired physically. And I'm not trying to ask for sympathy this morning, but I was tired. And I said I knew I needed to preach this morning. And I was excited about coming to the house of God. I was excited about seeing all of you. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. It's the highlight of my week. Now I thank God for the opportunity to stand this week and preach there at New Freedom Baptist Church in Hodgenville, Kentucky. I thank the Lord for the privilege to preach to those dear people and to see God help them and some of them get what they need and to see tears shed, see sinners on the altar. That's wonderful. But this is my place. This is where God's put me and it's the highlight of my week to come into the house of God with my people and I say that because we're a family God's put us together and from the front pew to the back pew I love every single one of you and I knew that I needed to feed you this morning it's the call of God on my heart to feed the flock of God which the Holy Ghost hath made me overseer of I said God I was just real honest and I'm going to tell you something I've learned along the journey and I've not arrived yet but your prayer life would be helped and increased if you just talk to God like you talk to everybody else. There's no need to try to impress God or be formal in your praying. God's not interested in what you say anyway. He wants you to speak from your heart. I got so caught up, my prayer life was hindered for a number of years because I wanted it to be really formal. I wanted to go and bow There's nothing wrong with having a prayer place. You ought to have one. But I got so caught up in the place that I forgot about the process and the person that I was praying to. And it becomes so formal and ritualistic and routine. And you can think bad at me if you want to. It really don't matter because I know what God did in my heart. God put it in me not to go out of my prayer place for a period of time. I just talked to Him wherever I was. And it helped my prayer life. And it helped me on the inside. And I come in last night and I was tired. And I said, Lord, you know I'm tired. And I said, I want to go in the morning and I want to preach. I want to give my heart. I want to help my people. I want to give what you want me to give. And I said, but Lord, if I'm going to do that, you're going to have to help me and tell me what you want me to preach. Now on the inside, I didn't, I traveled a whole lot. I didn't much feel like traveling on. But the minute I the minute I got done, I just said, Lord, I need you to tell me what you want me to preach. And he said, Preach on. I feel like traveling on. Now I didn't, but I do this morning. I did after he got done. I'm saying this morning, there are going to be times in your life 
doesn't mean you're not saved. Doesn't mean you're not right with God. There are going to be hindrances, obstacles, weariness, faintness that are going to make you feel like not traveling on. You're not going to feel like traveling on. You lose the excitement and the enthusiasm of your walk with God. But we better look back. And I know we can't live in the past. But thank God for some things in our past that will look back on that will encourage us and motivate us and help us to feel like traveling on again. So he could look back at Gilgal. Then I thought he could look back at Bethel. Bethel is the house of God. That's what the word Bethel means. And I thought about all the times that I've come into the house of God and didn't feel like traveling on and left feeling like traveling on because of what God did in my heart. The feeling of traveling on is not something you can produce in yourself. It's going to take God working in you to make you feel like traveling on. To motivate you. To stir you. To give you the drive and the initiative how to want to go on where He wants you to go. I thought about times we've experienced together here in the house of God. I thought about times I've come in and I didn't feel like preaching. I mean, we might as well all be honest. There are times you come and don't feel like being here. There are times you come and don't feel like doing what you do. Whether it be just come to the house of God, whatever it is, times we, uh, Brother Tim comes up here and says, get your song book and stand and turn the page, whatever it is, and you don't feel like standing up and you don't feel like singing, but we get up and we do it anyway. Uh, but thank God for the times that we've not felt like it and the power of God's come through and the Holy Ghost is stirred of the waters of our heart. Uh, we're like that man uh, by the pool of Bethesda. Uh, we just need a moving of God. Uh, we need the waters to be troubled. I understand that's a type of mainly of salvation, but I'm glad it's a type of the work of God since then. There have been times ever since I've been saved that I find myself laying on the porch of weariness, and I find myself laying on the porch of faintness, and I find myself laying on the porch of feeling sorry for myself, and I find myself laying on the porch of not wanting to go home. But thank God for the troubling of the water in the pool of my heart, and the Lord pushed me off put me in and I'm glad it stirred me again that I want to travel on with him past experiences Gilgal our salvation ought to motivate us our experiences in the house of God ought to motivate us to want to travel on and if it ever dawns on you that what you've experienced in the house of God, how God's flooded your soul. I've had some of you, and I'm just preaching this morning as the Lord gives it to me. I've had some of you call me or text me through the week after we had a good service on Sunday or Wednesday night and tell me it's still working in your heart and you're still excited, you're still happy, you still got joy, and it's a motivating you. But the reality is that's not all God has. He can take it another level above that and take you higher and go deeper than you've ever been and knowing that God had done that and that there's more to offer or to motivate us to want to travel on. That's right, and then there's Jericho. That ought to motivate us to want to travel on. Them walls falling flat ought to motivate us to want to travel on. I thought about what Brother Jeremy preached last Thursday night about marching toward victory. All the victories in your life 
All them times you walked around your city and them walls were so big you knew there wasn't anything you could do to make them come down. But the Lord said, if you'll just trust me and walk with me, I'll make the walls fall flat. And you've watched Him do it. You've watched Him overcome mountains you could never overcome. Uh, one man up there in Kentucky where uh, Brother Jeremy was, I think maybe he mentioned it, on Thursday night wrote a song, God Moved a Mountain uh, so I could pass by. Have you ever had that experience? You come up against a mountain and there's no way you can climb over it. Uh, but you watch the hand of God move and He moved the mountain out of the way and He led you safely across. Uh, maybe you've come to a valley and it's so dark you knew uh, that you'd lose your way. You'd never see under the other side, never see light of day again. Uh, but you felt a big old hand uh, reach down where you are, take hold of yours and lead you through the valley. And those type of experiences, uh, those victories, uh, those overcomings, those strengthening times ought to motivate us to want to go on. But then I thought not only because of what was behind, but I thought he's traveling on because of what's beyond. There's going to come an offer that's going to be made to Elisha. Now I don't know what all Elisha knows, but I'm just preaching how it's on my heart this morning. That you and I should be traveling on feeling like traveling on, not just because of what God has done, but what lies before that God will do. We may, there may be an offer that comes up for you just down the road. The man of God looked to Elisha. He said, what do you want? You've traveled all this way. You've proven faithful. What is it you're wanting? Now there's some stipulations to his offer. Elisha said, I want a double portion. Now I want to clarify this and then go on. I don't believe Elisha asked for a double portion so he could be twice the man Elijah was. I don't think there was any arrogance or pride in what Elisha asked. I think if we're to understand it correctly, I think Elisha viewed himself as half the man that Elijah was and he said if it took that for you to be what you are I want to be like you it's going to take twice of what you have for me to even get close to what you are and so he said I want a double portion and Elijah said you've asked a hard thing it's not that it was hard for God but there were going to be some stipulations on the offer he said nevertheless don't worry about how hard it is. Just listen to what i got to say. That's what Elijah was saying. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I'm taken, it shall be so. But if not, it shall not be so. Now I'm going to tell you what the Lord spoke to my heart last night. If you're going to get what you want from God, it's going to take a close walk with you and Him. That's what Elijah said. You're going to have to keep walking close by me and see me when I'm taken away. Now I'm going to tell you, if you're going to have a double portion, 
And I know this is not popular preaching. It's about overlooked. It's so misunderstood. It's so misinterpreted. But it's still in the Word of God and to be filled with the Spirit of God. There is such a thing as being full of the Holy Ghost. And it does not manifest in rolling around in the floor. It does not manifest in speaking in tongues. It does not manifest in anything like that. But it is a blessedness in the life of the believer. It's victory in the life of the believer. It's harmony in the life of the believer. Amos said, can two walk together except they be agreed. There's going to have to be a close walk with you and God for the offer to stand for power in your life. Now we don't maintain our salvation, but there is maintenance that is involved in the power of God. Brother Hanlon, maybe said the hardest thing for a child of God is to maintain the power of God. Because it takes a denial of the flesh. It takes being crucified unto Christ. It takes mortifying the deeds of the body. It takes dying out to your wants, to your will, to your wishes, to your misunderstandings, to your questions, to your fears, and by faith, taking God by the hand, and hand in hand, we walk each day, hand in hand, along the way, walking thus, I cannot stray hand in hand with Jesus. I'm preaching to you this morning because my heart's desire for every individual in this building that is saved by the grace of God is that you understand and experience for yourself the feeling of the Holy Ghost. It is available to every child of God. It is not for preachers only. It's not for elders only. It's not for men only. It's available to every child of God if you're willing to walk close with Him and meet the stipulations on which the offer hinges. You can have the power. You already have the unction. And that unction brings knowledge. Knowledge brings discernment. Following the discernment will produce greater discernment. Continuing to follow the discernment will produce a closeness to the heart of God. And being close with God meets the terms of the offer of being filled with the Spirit of God. And so there was an offer. But thank God it didn't just stop at the offer. Some of the most blessed words in my Bible concerning Elisha is the Bible said, and while they went now, ain't that a blessing? He said, you're going to have to walk with me and see me when I'm taken. If you do, it'll be so. If not, it'll not be so. And the Bible said, and while they went on and talked, it didn't phase Elisha. It didn't bobble him one bit. He didn't say that's too hard. He didn't say I don't know about that. He didn't scratch his head and wonder if it's worth it. He knew it's worth it. I'm telling you this morning, sometimes the flesh rises up and says it ain't worth it to try to walk this close to God. Sometimes the devil and the world whispers in your ear, is it really worth it all that you're going through to try to walk with God? But I'm telling you this morning, it's worth it in the end. Because an offer went from just being an offer. And the Bible said while they went on and talked, that behold there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire 
parted them both asunder and Elijah went up to heaven by a whirlwind and the most blessed words of the whole story is and Elijah saw it. And the Bible said he saw him no more. And down, I don't know how it worked. I don't know if the whirlwind snatched Elijah up and the mantle just laid flat. I don't know if it floated back down from heaven. None of that really matters. I just know that after it's all over, Elisha's in his clothes. He's fell down on his face. He's cried, My God, my God, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And the next words is, He saw the mantle. And it was that that he had had an experience with before. See, what motivated Elisha to go on, this is where I really feel like I need to preach this morning. It went from not just an offer, but it went to an outpouring. The power of God came upon Elijah or Elisha. He picks up the mantle, goes back to the Jordan, says, where's the Lord God of Elijah? Smites the waters. They part just like they did for Elijah. He walks over and the power of God in his life is so apparent that others notice. I'm going to tell you, if you have the offer, and we all do, I want to say that this morning. It's not that you're walking down the road to see whether or not God's going to offer His power to you. If you're saved, it's already been offered to you. But there's some uh, stipulations and qualifications that must be met for the offer to become an outpouring. But if you ever get filled with the power of God, others will take notice. You don't have to go around telling everybody that you've been with God, telling everybody you're saved, telling everybody you're a Christian, telling everybody you have the power of the Spirit inside you. It'll be an evident thing to others around you. The Bible said they said the Spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. Matter of fact, when they arrested Peter, James, and John, after they commanded them not to preach in the name of Jesus, they come in and the Bible said they took knowledge of them that they were unlearned and ignorant men. There's just a bunch of fishermen. But the next phrase is, but they took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. There was something about them boys that made them stand out from everybody else. And it was the upper room. It was the moving of the Spirit of God, it was the endowment of the Holy Ghost that made them different from everybody else. Now I'm going to tell you this morning, if you have the power of God, if you travel on, if you'll get to that place where you're willing to go over and let God do His will in your life and endure you with that power, that victory, that overcoming, that blessedness, there'll be others take notice of what's went on in your life. I want to say this morning and I'll be done. But I feel like I need to emphasize right here. I feel like he traveled on because of what was behind. I feel like he traveled on because of what was beyond. But I feel like he traveled on because of what came between. See, we talked about Gilgal and Jericho and Bethel. And then we talked about the power of God. But there was a Jordan that came between. Jordan speaks of separation. Jordan speaks of dying out. And they came to Jordan. Fifty came and stood 
afar off. I thought about that. Never had thought about it before till this morning. The Lord was speaking to my heart. It says, when he got to Bethel, the sons of the prophets which were at Bethel came to meet him. When he got to Jericho, the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to meet him. When they got to Jordan, it never specifies that there are any sons of the prophets at Jordan. But there are 50 of the sons of the prophets that stand to view afar off. And so it leads me to believe, or at least that's the direction I feel in my heart, that apparently some of them from Bethel and some of them from Jericho tagged along in the journey. But when they got to Jordan, it separated all of them from Elisha. They stood to view afar off. But Elisha went over. Now you may be at Jordan this morning. And you may be looking on all the water. I thought about the writer who wrote the the song or the words on Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. And I'm going to tell you Canaan is where your possessions lie. I'm not talking about heaven. Now, the Lord brought it to my heart this morning. That old song, and I've heard Brother Ken Jenkins sing it and others sing it. I won't have to cross Jordan alone. I know that that, that writer at that moment intended on Jordan to be the type of death and that we won't go through death alone. Thank God we won't. But I'm going to tell you something. In order to get to Canaan, in order to get the power of God, in order to get into the victorious Christian life, you're going to have to cross Jordan and thank God you ain't got to cross her alone. Because the Bible said they too went across Jordan. See, there was a master. That's what the Lord kept hammering in my heart last night. There was a master to go across Jordan with Elisha. That's what He kept calling Him, Master. That's what the the sons of the prophets kept calling Him, Master. And in this Scripture, He's a type of Christ. Elijah is. And He went across Jordan with Elisha. He didn't part it and then say, go across on your own. Find whatever you need. But they walked together into the water, across the water, and across on the other side. There was a Master to cross with Jordan. There was a miracle that took place at Jordan. That's the two things God put on my heart. There was a master and a miracle. They come to the Jordan. Up till this point, no miracle that Elijah has performed has been specific for Elisha. But this one is. He parts the Jordan so Elisha can go with him to the other side. I'm going to tell you this morning, thank God for all that He's done in the past. But when you come to Jordan, He'll part the waters just for you. You don't have to wait on your husband, wait on your wife, wait on your children, wait on the church, wait on the preacher, wait on anybody else. If the Master has brought you to Jordan, the Master has a miracle to get you across Jordan. If you want to go across, He'll make a way for you to get across. And so I wonder this morning, I don't feel like I've preached it as well as it was in my heart this morning. But I wonder this morning, do you feel like traveling on?
Let others seek a home below. I feel like traveling on. Which flames devour and waves o'erflow. I feel like traveling on. Yes, I feel like traveling on. How about it this morning? Is there a desire in you? Is there a pull in you? See, there'll be things that you can experience across the Jordan that you'll never experience on this side. I thought about, and I'll say this and I'll be done. I thought about when the Lord stepped in Peter's boat and said, launch out a little from the land. And He taught the people there. There was good things that went on at the coastline. But then He said, now launch out into the deep and let your net down for a drought. The deep meant they went so far out in the water that they could not see the shore anymore. And out yonder in the deep, it was just them and God. And He said, let down your net. And they did so. And they enclosed so great a a number of fish that they couldn't even get it up in the boat. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying there are things that you'll have and experience and get from God in the deep that you can never get on the coastline. And far too often we spend our Christian experience just sailing up and down the coastline when the Lord's saying, why don't you launch out into the deep? You've trusted me through Gilgal. You've trusted me through Bethel and through Jericho. Why don't you trust me? And let's go across Jordan. And let me get you in that place where my desire is for you to be. It's the most blessed place that the believer can ever live in on this side of heaven. The most blessed. The songwriter that wrote Beulah Land, not the, or is not this the land of Beulah, was not writing about heaven. They were writing about the victorious Christian life. They're writing about what I'm preaching to you this morning. And they said, when I got where I was going, when I got over there, he said, I looked down the mountain where I've wandered, wasted years. Often hindered on my journey. And that's what I've preached about this morning. By the ghosts of doubts and fears. Broken vows and disappointments. Thickly sprinkled on the way. I'm not telling you that living in the will of God and in victory makes you oblivious or makes you inept or makes you separate from ever going through any trouble. That's not, that's not in this book anywhere. But I'm going to tell you what it does. What the writer said is this. Broken vows and disappointments thickly sprinkled all the way. But the Spirit led unerring to the place I am today. In other words, he said through it all, I had someone walking hand in hand along the way. Now I'm not saying that you don't. He promised He would never leave you and never forsake you. But I'm telling you this morning, there is a manifested presence that the people of God can enjoy that does not have to just happen inside the house of God. He can manifest Himself to you every day. You can feel His hand in your hand every day along the way. And it produces a blessedness and a security in the believer that cannot be equivalent or equaled to anything else in this world. 
So I wonder this morning, do you feel like traveling on? Let's stand all over the house I'm doing.